1: This week's episode of the Platinum Subaru podcast is brought to you by the Department of Sequel Control. If you feel like you deserve better than White Chicks 2, Leprechaun in Space, and Jason Takes Manhattan, good news! Our organization is already working to ensure that box office tanks like these never get made in the first place. Because you shouldn't have to suffer through a 15th Fast and Furious movie, or be subjected to yet another remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And you know as good as I do, there was never any reason to make Boondock Saints Part 2. Once we establish time travel, we'll go back to 2009 to make sure that Avatar never gets made, and will save you from the four sequels which are currently in production. Also, coming this fall, the Department of Sequel Control, Part 2. Patent pending. 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wine and the pitch, here it is. Yeah. You a in depth. A 25 lighters
2: on my dresser, yes, sir.
3: You know I got to get paid.
1: High five ball, belt to right center, and the Braves have won it. 25 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, belt to right, welcome to the show.
3: My 25 folks. Gonna break the bank, gonna the now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Welcome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Platinum Sombrero brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our good friends at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the perfect online gambling website. If you like to have a little bit of fun with your sports, like to make things a little more interesting, as they say. MyBookie.ag has all the best lines available, prop bets, whatever it is, MyBookie.ag has it. If you ever have a question about a certain line, if you got a question about a certain uh, uh, a certain bet on there, just talk to their, their customer service agents. They are number one in the business as far as customer satisfaction goes. And if you use our promo code BRAVES25, they're going to give you a 50% initial deposit match. You throw in 100, they throw in 50 bucks. Makes your day that much better. You can win that much more money on the house. So why aren't you going ahead and doing it? MyBookie.ag, promo code BRAVES25, play, win, get paid. I'm going to struggle with this episode a little bit. I'm here to tell all of you right now. One, I'm kind of comatose today. I'm on like my eighth cup of coffee. None of it's worked. Um, Two, I've already had to talk about the bullpen twice today. This is going to make three times, which I might actually cry on air or break something. If you hear something shatter, it means that I just lost my cool finally. But before we get into that, we've got a really fun guest. We're going to have Garav Vidak from Talking Chop, the Road to Atlanta podcast, Braves Reddit, a million other things. Garav is like the most popular person in the entire world. Uh, we're going to have him on in the second segment, and we're going to really dig into it with him. But first things first, if you guys didn't wish a happy birthday to my partner, Doc Herbert, how dare you?
0: I certainly appreciate that, buddy. It was, uh, it's the first time I've had a, a birthday on a weekend in a, in a very long time.
3: I just feel I should point out doc's birthday is four twenty. for a that fish is, fan. That is the most perfect thing of all time. That is affirmative. That was a um, pretty
0: shocking, pretty shocking revelation when I, when I connected all of the, uh, all of the dots, uh, that was pointed out to me in probably in high school at some point, And, uh, you know, I I don't celebrate uh, don't celebrate four twenty anymore. But uh, it was it was nice being able to uh, to celebrate the birthday. Actually, like sleep in and not have to immediately wake up and go to work and stuff. So it was uh, it was cool, man. I ate an entire bag of jelly beans and uh, went to a <laughs> trampoline park. It was uh, it was like being it was like turning seven instead of uh, turning thirty seven. The Braves mounted that awesome comeback against the Indians that I actually I did wind up turning the game back on right as it was uh, right as it started to get good. So that was. It was a pretty great birthday
3: present. Now, see, I turned the game off. I'm not going to lie. I turned it off, Then the Braves started coming back, and the former ball player me was like, all right, superstitious crap. You cannot turn the game back on. It's working well the way it is, so keep watching the exact position you're watching. Don't move a muscle. Just sit there and see what happens. And the Braves came all the way back. Luckily, the Indians have just as bad of a bullpen as the Braves. So the Braves were able to steal a series that, quite honestly, they had no business winning. The only game they should have won that series was Max Fried, who was just so dominant again in primetime baseball. Just giddy, makes me giddy. It was it was
0: really nice to see, and and we kind of we kind of touched on this uh, before, like when we were doing doing our prep before the show. Like so many people will just tune, tune into Sunday night baseball just just because it's on. You know what I mean? It gives you the opportunity to see teams that you never see. Like we were all watching because because we want to watch the Braves as often as we can. But for somebody who's like a Cardinals fan or whatever, after the first inning, you know, the Max Fried that they saw, they're just on notice all of a sudden like, oh my God, who, who is this? What is that curveball? You know what I mean? Like, so what, what you in particular and me to a lesser degree have been banging the drum about for, for such a long time. It was nice to to see him get that recognition. Buster only coming out talking about rival evaluators. Uh, see a, a number one or number two starter in Max Freed like it's uh, about time somebody else sees it right and 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 dur- during the rebuild that that famous statement you know you you get 10 pitchers and you hope two of them work out and for every Manny Benuelos and Matt Whistler and Aaron Blair and and every pitcher that that some level of hopes and dreams were kind of pinned on Freed has finally, like, become that guy, and Fulty was one of those guys that, like, y- you could see the stuff from a mile away, and then last year he took the step, and this this year is Freed's year to take the step, so, like, you know, it makes it makes you feel good. Like, if, if this team can fend off the bullpen stuff, that, you know what I mean? If they can make it to the playoff, like, last year it was um, Fulty and Annabelle Sanchez, which almost felt <laughs> kind of like, you know, Sanchez had a great year, but he's not, starting game two of the NLDS level anymore that was just kind of like a white flag a little bit almost you know what i mean but having um having this version of freed and, and last year's version of faulty like that's a strong one too that's really really good
3: yeah last year you just kind of kept waiting if you're like me and you just kept waiting for Hannibal to turn back into a pumpkin and unfortunately happened in the playoffs so I'm kind of the same way with Josh Tomlin, where uh, I, you know he's turning into a pumpkin sometime. You're just waiting for it to happen. But with Freed, you don't have that. And I've talked about this ad nauseum, but you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to keep talking about it. It's our show. I can do what I want. Uh, the, when we talk about Freed in such reverent and glowing terms, there is a reason behind it. It's not just that I've locked onto a kid that I just like. It's, it's why. It's the reason why he does what he does and what makes him so special. And you heard Alex Rodriguez clumsily try to explain this on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, Great player, Alex Rodriguez. Horrible, horrible commentator. Can't do names. Can't explain anything. But what what, what makes Max stand out from the rest of the crowd so much, just watch... McCann's glove and McCann in particular watch McCann's glove when Max throws a curveball if he's not throwing a two-strike breaker where he's burying it in the dirt on purpose like if he throws a, a, a no one curveball or a 2-0 curveball watch McCann's glove it does not move that is not like people just kind of take that for granted oh yeah he's a professional pitcher he should be able to hit the mitt I don't know that people realize how rare it is for a guy to be able to hit spots with an off speed, particularly one that breaks as much and spins as much as Max Freed's does, that is not normal. That's the difference between a good curveball and a masterful curveball. When he gets comps like Cole Hamels, that's why you start to see Cole Hamels type of comps as a guy who can hit spots with his secondary pitches. That is is so immeasurably important when you're talking about being a top of the rotation arm versus a number three. Like that, that's. That's when people talk about Tukey Toussaint. You want to know what can take Tuki from being a third, third starter to being an actual ace type of pitcher. It's the ability of what Max has to hit spots with his curveball, with his fastball, with his changeup. Max Freed can do that with all of his pitches. That's why everybody is taking such notice this year, and that's why nobody can really do anything against him
0: and and you're finally seeing the results to go along with the stuff. Like Sunday Sunday was such an important game for so many reasons, okay? Like the, the the freed thing for one, like not only did did he wind up, yeah, he gave up the home run to Lindor and then the the inherited run uh wound up coming around to score. So it made it made his, made his line look worse than it actually was, but he wiggled out of trouble in the first inning. I was uh listening to it on the radio for the first inning, but uh, by all accounts uh, he just wasn't getting that that
3: borderline call. From- I was watching, by the way. That was just that that entire Cleveland series was piss poor umpiring from game one to game three. That entire first inning, the umpire would not give Max the call. And it, when they would show it on the pitch track and the Fox track, it was in the zone. He just wouldn't give Max the the belt buckle strike. He would make him come lower than that, which. Really, he should have got out of that inning. Like I, I had something on Twitter where we should have been able to start the next inning with two outs already because he really should have had like five strikeouts in that first inning.
0: And and you make a good point about the rest of the series because you saw it a lot with um, with Tehran versus Kluver. Like both of them were kind of like it just wasn't jiving with with what the Fox Tracks was was, was showing for that particular game. But but Freed he hung in there and he battled and like who he was for innings two through six just. That is the guy, you know, that's who that's, that's why you trade Justin Upton for him, even when he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Cause you're like, this kid does what we know he can do. He's going to be amazing. But that's, so that's one of the things about Sunday. That was great. Uh, number two was in 2018, you saw, I mean, so many comebacks. So the opening day, uh, five run surge capped off by the, by the Marquecas walk off and the, the Dansby walk-off against the Marlins, Camargo walking it off against the, the Mets, Ozzy walking it off against the Reds. I mean, there was a thousand different examples. And so what you see from the the comeback on Saturday, you know, you, you turn the game on in the fifth inning on Sunday, and it's 11 to nothing. It was like the offense just kept chugging along, you know. Like, that was, that was a dominant, dominant team. And the third thing dovetails directly with that, and that's that Josh Donaldson is – Finally getting there. He is finally to that point where people that have been very critical of the signing saying nobody's worth $23 million over one year. Like this guy's coming off the injuries and all all the buzzwords and talking points about why this is a bad idea. You're finally starting to see why, you know, you're starting to see the guy that was second only to Mike Trout in in f over over five years. You know, he's if he's that guy and he can continue to be as good on defense as he had. I mean, my God, what a what a signing. What a boon.
3: I mean, and he, and he has been playing amazing defense, and it's not like that came out of nowhere. If you looked at his his heat tracks and his stat cast data, you saw he was hitting the ball extremely, extremely hard, harder than anybody on the Braves not named Ronald Acuna. He, he just wasn't hitting it in the right spots. He wasn't quite getting enough loft on it. A lot of that probably had to do with getting his legs underneath him because he did miss a ton of spring training time. So... trying trying to get his legs fully underneath him and get all the way back into the swing of things. But that Sunday, you saw it two different ways. He hit a low and outside breaking ball, took it to right field and took it out. Next at bat in the second inning, ironically enough, which lets you know the Braves did really well that first inning, he takes a fastball that quite honestly was out of the zone, leveled off on it, and took it out to left field, which if Josh Donaldson is hitting that pitch out, you know good things are coming because that is Josh Donaldson's out pitch. That is where pitchers want to throw to him. So if, if he's starting to really get his legs underneath him, he might be about to go on one of those Josh Donaldson type of tears. And that's a great news for the Braves if they can keep everything else working. Because the offense has not been the problem this season.
0: The, there have been yeah, I mean, there there have been a couple times where they look weak and kind of punchless. That's uh, the Arizona series was was really tricky one to watch. But yeah, I mean, in the 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 last game of or the last two games of the Cleveland series, and even we're recording this on Wednesday night, so the, the, the last night's game, Tuesday night's game, against the Reds, they keep coming back and coming back. They almost, like Donaldson in the top of the ninth, I mean, he was feet like four feet from hitting a home run that, that would have uh, put them ahead and that would have put them at eight. But, but even still, scratching six across, you know, that's, that's really strong. But they wouldn't have had to have dealt with that if not for Jesse Biddle and Co., they um they make – like, even, even when the, the bullpen is, like, in the process of imploding, you know what I mean? Like, it, Chad Sabaka didn't give up any runs, which is great, but he walked the bases loaded. You know what I mean? Pitches. Still, 24 pitches. Yeah.
3: 24 pitches in an inning that he did not give up any runs and struck out one. You know,
0: and, and Valerie's downstairs, and she's, uh, she's watching me watch the game. I think it's just a horror show for her because I'm just like – <laughs> it, was, it reminds me of 2013 a little bit like during the rebuild I was fine dude we, all those 20 to 5 games 18 to 6 losses right. all that stuff I'm like oh, Danny Burrow was gonna come on the pitch I've never even heard of this dude before <laughs> you know what I mean you're supposed to be losing but like back in 2013 I would get furious because I'm like this could be a hundred win team you know and I'm like screaming at the tv which I, I don't don't really do anymore but like she's just watching me watch Chad Sabata pitch. Or Jesse Biddle, or even Parsons, and just like she's like, it's it's still just a game. I'm like, I know that. No, I deep it's, down it's, in my soul, I know that. But games are supposed to be fun. This is not fun. Watching this bullpen is not fun. How do, <laughs> how are you going to watch seven in like three and two thirds innings? Two and two thirds, by
3: the way. Two and two thirds innings, and they walked. What was it? They walked uh, the bullpen. Walked seven runners or seven batters in two and two thirds innings last night oh yeah that's
0: that's right because uh Cincinnati didn't have the bat the night, yeah, so it's um you know and and I don't want to be a be a broken record about it, but like it's the with the offense being as good as it is, and even even last night Dossman wasn't wasn't as sharp as as we've seen out of him, you know he's in in his most dominant stretch as a brave for the first uh first little bit, he's striking out more guys than than he ever has in his career, but uh with this offense, you know. You you can still expect to be in every single game, which is which is a great feeling, you know. Like if you're one of those teams that has really good pitching, but but crap offense, and and you never know whether or not you're going to wind up um, only winning 73 games in a season because you, your team OPS is like 620 or something, something like that. I mean, that's that's hard to deal with. And so this is a team that if if you can get some reinforcements, then you're gonna have a lot better feeling going into stuff. But like even even winning is stressful. I mean, you know, even when you're when you're the holding on. There's there's no like even the even the win against Indians on, on Sunday where it's like it was eleven to two when Freed left and then it's like this like I'm creeping back. Oh God, there shouldn't be this. And we have like two shutdown innings in a row. That's all
3: I'm asking for. So Alex Anthopoulos is asking for a do-over from the winter because there's no way he goes back into the season doing the same thing that he did this time. And it's it's one of those things where the bullpen is literally the only part of this team that worries you. The starting rotation has been really good outside of, of what, one of Tukey's starts, uh, Sean Newcomb's, two of Sean Newcomb starts, uh, and then a couple of Kyle Wright's starts. For the most part, the rotation has been really good. The offense has been great aside from... Aside from the the Arizona series, the the Braves' offense is in the top three in nearly every category in all of baseball. So it's obviously not those two things. And what makes it so worse on, on yesterday's game with the Reds is they might be the worst offense in all of baseball right now. They don't hit the ball well at all, and yet you gave them that many runs because you just walked so many people. Nine walks total in that game on Tuesday night. I don't care who you're playing. Baltimore will beat you if you walk nine players. You, that literally means you could have walked every single player on that team. You cannot do that on a big league club and expect to win.
0: And I was I drew game coverage yesterday for uh, for Talking chop and so I was up, I went up writing the preview and and tried to dig into the numbers and everything. And what I noticed is that Jesse Winker, Jose Peraza, Yossi El Puig, and Scott Shebler, all had bad dips under two hundred, and so did so did Matt Kemp. But he's got broken ribs right now, so he's he's not playing in this series. Broken ribs, so beef or pork? Beef or pork? Well, I mean, and you you can um, you can look at that, and you can say, well, you know, playing in a park like that, eventually that's going to start to turn around. You know what I mean? Like, there's sometimes you'll you'll go an entire season and and have have a bad dip of of two fifty or whatever, but the but the odds even. Even doing that, I mean, Jesse Winkers was 109 coming into the game. That is abysmal luck. And so I'm thinking I've re- I've i praised the Reds a bunch in this offseason. Like they're they're not going for it necessarily because of all the different hurdles that they've got in in that division with the Cardinals getting Goldie and Christian Yelich becoming a demigod and all of these different things. They have a long road, but they're trying. They they got Alex Wood. But Alex Wood got hurt, and and you know all all of these different things that they tried to do. And I'm like, I'm looking at this going, they're going to turn it around at some point, but I hope they don't turn it around until Friday. And then last night, what happens? Winker gets on immediately. He singles and, and some of that, you know, we talk about regression to the mean, and it's usually not meant to be a compliment, but but when, when the Reds regress to the mean, it unfortunately means they're going to start doing well. And then Puig hit one to freaking Kentucky. So, you know, some of this stuff starts to normalize like, these are good players, you know, but, and even without Scooter Jeanette, they still have Joey Votto and Puig and all of these different guys that I mentioned. So, like, the Reds' offense has not performed up to expectations, but they still got it in the tank. You know, the first pitch was eight minutes ago for this game, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out that, like, they're, that they'd already be leading. I mean, Ozzie Albies, I mean?
3: Just, by the way, Braves are up 1-0. Ozzie Albies, Homer, lead off the game
0: fantastic i love it when he does
3: that i I get what you're saying but my point to be my point to you on that is it's not like that they just came out of nowhere and started hitting you walked nine people oh
0: no no doubt about it so like when you got this thank you for reeling me back into the point that i was initially trying to make when you've got a team that's struggling but bound to turn it around the last thing you need to do is give them any momentum because then they start feeling it right they'd start becoming like a the the big red machine you know so it, it's uh, the, granted there's no pete rose and there's no joe morgan or anything but uh,
1: but yeah i mean there's they're not as the type of team that you can just go
0: handing these types of opportunities to and like i said even even if they're not scoring like now if, this couldn't happen in game three now they're seeing firsthand like all i gotta do is wait you know because some, if I don't swing, somebody's going to walk me.
3: You know, I mean, so you've got like I, a 60 40 chance of getting walked at this point. Like, literally, six walks for nine innings, you've got a 60 40 chance of being given a free base. And I honestly, like,
0: I'm sure that we're going to wind up talking, talking Jesse Biddle once, once we get Garav on here. But you got to, we got to do something about this guy. Because last year, he was great. He really was. He wore down, but he was really, really great. And now this year he just has looked like, what is going on with this guy? I can't. Ugh, God. I, I don't ever want to talk about the bullpen. It, just, it makes me sad. There's like a thousand <laughs> different reasons why the bullpen makes me sad. And it's not just the walks, but it's mainly the walks.
3: We're going to talk about it in the next segment, definitely. We'll, we'll save our Biddle talk there because we do have some other stuff to talk about. Now you're starting to get the rotation is, is about to be fully formed. Mike Soroka is going tonight, and this is a really important start for him because Fulty's coming back on Saturday. There was some rumors that the Braves might bring up Sean Newcomb because Fulte had yet another bad start in AAA. That was never going to happen, folks. I, I think Sean Newcomb has officially been Colby alerted, where he's been passed by like six other people now. I, I, I mentioned this before the season started, and you guys have all talked about it as well. With Rick Cranitz coming in and Chuck Hernandez going out, I did not think that Rick Kranitz would have the same amount of patience with Sean Newcomb, and it looks to, to have been that way. I'm going to talk more about it because Jesse Biddle and Sean Newcomb really tie in together and for, for one very specific reason. We'll wait for Garoff to talk about that. But I wanted to ask you, Doc, what are you expecting? If, if, if Mike Soroka does really well tonight, what do you think happens on Saturday when it's, when uh, Fulte is activated off the IL and comes – or when Fulte is brought back up, I should say? Who goes and who stays? Because there's going to be a lot of people that talk about the six-man rotation. Folks, Brian Snicker can't bring himself to hit Acuna leadoff because he has power. There is no way on God's green earth he's running a six-man rotation.
0: As far as a traditional one, like where you're, you're – you know you're gonna get the start every every sixth day. I think you're right. I I don't think that there's any way that it goes to that. But I think that that there really is going to be some top down mandate coming from the front office. Like, okay, we're gonna you know, it, it, I think you know Tukey is Tukey and Bryce and Kyle, like they, they do have these aces in the hole, right? Like they they can lean on somebody to make a spot start for the for the sixth slot. I I think Soroka like they see it in him and he's the most ready to contribute. Like, I don't think that they're going to wind up sending him back down unless he gets positively shellacked against the, the reds. You know what I mean? I think, I think that they keep him around and they try and find a way to limit innings. Like, and, and Doblis just came out and said, you know, we're going, we're going to look at these guys on a case by case basis. We're not just going to cat max freed at 150 innings. Cause he's never thrown more than 120, like post, start check-ins on every single one of these guys just to make sure everything's fine. Because you can you can start to see when these guys wear down. You know, if if Freed is is walking five and four innings come August, well, you know, maybe it's time to to start reevaluating a couple things there. But I, I think this is this is one of those odd things about having all these wonderful pitching prospects is that you can spread the workload out a little bit. So for now, I mean Freed staying, Bolty's coming up. Gossman's not going anywhere Julio I mean Julio's got tenure he's been around longer than anybody I think that he would you know he's going to be you know it's death taxes and Julio Tehran in the brief starting rotation Um, I I don't think that he goes anywhere and I think Soroka takes uh, Soroka takes the five I mean I I don't think
3: um, I just don't see how you can send him back down I mean they're not putting faulty in the bullpen
0: oh no no, I mean, I think yeah, Freed, Fulty, Gossman, Julio Soroka, I think is just how that goes, and you know maybe maybe you call up Kyle Wright. He he was apparently better in last night's start than he was in the first one. Wouldn't take much, but um, you know he. Well, and 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 with Wright, like you saw it last year, you saw his last year at Vandy. He's a slow starter. Um, he was he was in one one contention for the twenty seventeen draft was horrible until about May and then turned it on and wound up. The only reason he didn't go one, one was because the twins wound up taking Royce Lewis. Like that was a gift that the Braves got him. So I'm not worried about him. I think that he will make a couple of starts this year, but traditional six man rotation. No, but occasional spot starts to manage innings. Yeah, I think absolutely.
3: I don't know. Maybe, maybe Soroka and Julio, Kind of split that fifth starter role, and they just kind of split back and forth. I don't think I'm kind of with you. I don't think they want to send Soroka back down. I just don't think there's a whole lot of choice, unless this is why I mentioned that every start. Yeah, it's early in the season, but all of these starts matter for everybody not named Max Fried and Mike Evich. Like those two are are locked into their position right now. Julio does have that veteran stuff, and and you know I, I do think it's going to be hard for Snicker to pick one of those two take them out of the rotation we'll see how it goes hopefully they don't make some sort of raging mistake I don't imagine they will I mean it's kind of we say it's a good problem to have but it is still a problem we got to figure it out as far as the bullpen goes you know I, I think Bryce would be a, a better addition to the bullpen now that he's up there I uh, I'm looking forward to see to seeing what he'll do just give me somebody that can stabilize I wish it was somebody who had experience to be able to calm everybody down but it is what it is at this point. If you guys have a thought or anything like that, you can throw us a line on the TPS hotline, 678-208-7982 and get your thoughts here on the show. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Gaurav Vidak. We'll talk about the bullpen. We'll talk about some, we'll talk about JD Martinez. We'll talk about Max Fried for sure. And then we're going to dig a little bit deeper and we're going to dive into the realm of the prospects and who it is that you should be looking for. And maybe who might be able to provide a boost to this bullpen. Hang on through the break. We will be right back here on the Platinum Sombrero. This episode of the Platinum
1: Sombrero podcast is brought to you by Bed, Bath, and Beyond Thunderdome, the everything store for all of your post-apocalyptic needs. Just because civilization has collapsed doesn't mean that your stylish sense of home decor has to. And remember, if you get 10 punches on your Extinction Loyalty card, you'll get priority seating on the next armored tank out of town. Our prices are so low, you'd never know that society is in the midst of a widespread catastrophic freefall. Shop Bed Bath and Beyond Thunderdome, where chaos enters and impeccable style leaves. Patent pending. I can make all the time I'll Rose garden filled with dark Keep your second guessing like oh my god Who is he? Who is
0: he? Like a not turn jealousy But you'll come back each time you leave
2: calling. I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream
1: So it's gonna be forever Or it's gonna go down in flames. You can tell me when it's over
3: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Dylan, Doc, with you here on the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our good, our new friends, I should say, not our new friends at SeatGeek. We've been pumping the break, we've been pumping up TickSplits forever, and I, I still love TickSplits as a company, but we had to move up farther in the world. And SeatGeek is on the pinnacle of the online ticket buying experience. They have this great software where they actually rate the seats, so you don't have to wonder where your seats are at. You can just scroll over to best seat. They rate every seat. They they attach a price on top of that. So you know you're always getting the best seats possible when you use SeatGeek. You guys know I absolutely cannot stand seat fees. The good news is if you use our promo code ACAA, they're gonna give you $20 off of your purchase at the checkout. That's gonna pay for your seat feet there. Your seat feet. Seat fee there. That's why. I'm super happy to announce that we've been with SeatGeek now for two weeks. Cannot wait to see what the, what the world has in store with that. SeatGeek.com, the number one online ticket buying experience. So I already told you guys before this before this segment started who we we're bringing on but i want to officially introduce him and introduce him in this way the co-host of the back in action road to atlanta podcast he's the most popular man in the world i'm pretty sure the main guy who started the entire tiger woods meme of internet fame it is Garav Vidak dak Gaurav. thank you so much for joining us again today sir
2: i am so happy to be here thank you for that tiger woods intro <laughs>
0: So how are you? How are you feeling about the tiger thing now? I mean, it's been it's been circulating for a little bit, and then like for every series, there's the the custom memes. Um, just yesterday, I saw the uh, tiger's face superimposed over Marge shot uh, for the Red <laughs> series. So, how are you feeling about that anymore?
2: Uh, like for me, I'm i gonna be uh, this is sound bad, but I'm I'm kind of over it just because it was, like kind of took over my life for a while. And all I saw on my timeline, whenever I saw on Twitter, is nothing but Tigers. So I'm I'm a little ha- I'm a little happy it's starting to slow down, but it's just going to be like one of the highlights of the season for me.
3: I'm just wondering why you haven't been like flown out to Tiger Woods to officially like broker the agreement between Tiger and the Braves of him to bang the drum for like an entire week.
2: I actually, as soon as the Braves started tweeting about it, I texted my, uh, my contacts in the front office and I said, I hope you know that if we, if the Braves win the world series, me and Scott Coleman have to get world series. So I'm doing what I'm (laughs) supposed to do.
3: (laughs) Just pepping yourself out. Now I did say I I buried it in the Tiger Woods lead, but you guys are bringing back road to Atlanta. You guys have had uh, two shows up already. Are you guys on your third one now?
2: Uh, yeah, we've, we've had three actually. Uh, we unfortunately cannot record this week because of a family emergency, but we're back to do we're back at it. Uh, weekly content. Uh, actually, this weekend I'm going to start a video segment as well, and I have the uh, the great Jim Powell joining me uh, in my office, where we're going to uh, interview him in a in, in a pretty fun setting. So it should be it should be fun. Uh, I hope everyone checks it out and is nice to me in the comment section.
0: I'm pretty jealous, man. Jim Powell is one of my one of my favorite uh, baseball voices of all time. But good for you, man. You guys are doing really good things
2: over there. I really appreciate that. I can't wait to just listen to him talk. I'm Any- even sure he's got stories for days.
3: Anytime I get to hear Garoff's voice, it's a good day. <laughs> all right. Well, we have done all the niceties. Garov has requested the reason why we didn't talk about the bullpen a ton in the first segment is Grov specifically requested that we save some for him because he's feeling a little bit upset. I don't know how he's feeling today, but with that said, I'm going to turn this over to you, Grov. with the horrendous bullpen activity. The last couple of weeks, how are you feeling today?
2: So, I, I mean, I, I do feel a lot better because uh, my comments made towards you were in the heat of the moment. Um, it's a little frustrating. We're, we're coming off a nine walk performance, like what? And then the quote by A saying they're they're trying to they're trying to find some opportunities or for acquisition, but it's a lot. It's like what? It's really difficult to make a trade in April. Well, you know you've had the entire off season and you have the exact same relievers that you had last year. Like, I I don't know. I, I know they tried to target some and 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 failed in signing them, which is understandable, but you know, it's, it's not acceptable in, in Major League Baseball. You, you need to improve, especially when you have a core this young that is this talented. You need to do whatever you can to make sure uh, you put the team in the best place to win, and unfortunately that didn't happen. And, you know, it's, it's cost some wins early in the season, and unlike what they say, win or losses in April don't matter as much. They totally do. And to lose games because of, uh, because you don't make the necessary changes, it, it sucks and it's frustrating as a fan. And
3: for me personally, I, I I like you said. I like that you said that about the April games. I've touched on this a lot. When you're in a division this tight and everybody else's bullpen is struggling, that's not some sort of dismissive gesture of saying, "Okay, well, it's okay that we're struggling. Everybody else is too." Like, no, this was your opportunity. If you had just done a little bit in the offseason, added one, maybe two of these arms, so you got somebody who had been there before, this was your chance to stake to an actual lead because the Mets' bullpen is not going to suck this long, uh, much longer. They're not going to be this bad. The same thing with the Nationals. Their bullpen is going to get it together. The Phillies probably will. We'll see what happens when David Robertson returns. But for the most part, this division is going to be so tight that you had a chance here to really stake a claim early and, and put your puts your flag into the ground really early and you failed to do that because you didn't want to sign one of the 14 relievers that were out there. And I've talked about this before with Doc. I mean, Sean Kelly signed for under $3 million a year. Sean Kelly would have been the best reliever on your squad aside from A.J. Minter last season. Uh, and A.J. Minter, I'm everybody should know by this point I'm not the biggest A.J. Minter fan. And this year kind of proves why. I know he's been hurt a little bit, but – Everybody in your bullpen has the same M.O. They all have high-end arms. When everything's working, they strike out a ton of people. Unfortunately, when things do not work, they put people on base. I mentioned this to Doc before the show. I don't even know if we mentioned it in the first segment. They have a 6.07 walks per nine rate. How? Bullpen Bullpen only. How?
0: You know, and I, if I can jump in on this, like I, there's part of me that thinks, you know, like if if they had, if they'd signed Sean Kelly or or any any of any of these guys, whether whether the the high priced ones or the, or the not so high priced ones, um, you know, there's nothing saying, you know, maybe maybe there was some type of hex, uh, p- you know, performed or uh, replaced on uh, SunTrust Park by by some somebody or or some something. There's nothing to say that any of these guys would have come here that like Sean Kelly would have signed and then, you know, he's doing doing well where he is. Uh, but he, he would, you know, he wouldn't come and suck and be pitching like Jesse Biddle right now. The problem is we don't have the opportunity to find that out. You know what I mean? Like, even if they came in second place and everybody, I mean, a, a plus for effort, but F minus for execution. So it's just, it's tricky and it's hard. And yeah, there were some extenuating circumstances about why, um, you know why the bullpen is in the shape it is now and and there are some some guys bubbling beneath the surface I'm really excited to talk about some of the some of the the next guys that could be up and uh either help out or become the next punching bag because I'm just sick of hating Jesse Biddle um you know'm I'm, I'm totally ready to move on and hate on somebody else but it's just hard man it's like uh, like I alluded to in the first segment like even even winning is stressful
3: sometimes it's one of those things that I, I still want to I kind of want to keep this going, and I kind of don't, but I, I kind of feel I have to. I mean, you heard Snicker yesterday after the game. He was talking to Kevin McAlpin, uh, asking about – he was trying to find Biddle a place to, to put him in to get him some confidence, and it didn't work out. Biddle is a very talented arm, very, very talented, has good stuff, but he's not throwing strikes right now. His last his last five outings, it's like two and, a two, two and two-thirds innings, he's got nine walks. It's just been abysmal for him. He's walked in two runs in his last three appearances. It's just, you can't have that. But it's it's so much more than that. Like, if it were just Biddle struggling, you'd be okay. The problem is you've got Biddle and Sabaka and even Parsons to an extent right now uh, Johnny Venters before they put him on the Phantom IL. You've got multiple guys who you're having to find non-threatening situations to put him in to try to build their confidence. You don't have anybody in that bullpen right now, aside from Luke Jackson, that you feel good about putting in a situation with the game on the line. Jacob Webb has looked good early, but he's only had like three appearances, and you, who knows how long that's going to work for him. It's This is one of those things where I don't put a whole lot of stock in veteran presence all the time. I think sometimes it's a little bit overrated. I think it's important as far as the ebbs and flows. And I think that that's what this bullpen is missing. Everybody is so young and so inexperienced, they just don't have that demeanor. They're all kind of letting everything get to them. And just talking about Biddle in particular, because everything has been focused on him since he was stupid enough to make that claim the other week you can tell on the mound. He says none of it bothers him, but you can watch him pitch and he's pulling the ball because he's so worried about walking a player that he's trying to do what Sean Newcomb does, where he's just, he's trying too hard to throw a strike instead of just throwing the ball. So he grips it a little too long, trying to aim the ball a little bit too, a little bit too much. And he ends up walking a run. I don't know that this is something that you can just turn around and fix and Garov, Maybe you've got some names that I can think that, that I'm not thinking of, for me, the only name that I can really come up with, aside from Bryce Wilson, who's up there right now, maybe Tukey if you can ever get his command ironed out this year, really it's just Grant Dayton in my mind. Is there anybody that I'm missing?
2: No. Like you automatically think Corbin Klaus, but Corbin Klaus is struggling crazy. He's walking, I think, off the top of my head, I think it's like six and a half per nine. Uh, you would want Thomas Burroughs if he's struggling too. Uh, Really, Grant Taton is the only real option I can imagine without having to convert some of your promising arms to relievers. Like your your laundry's not right.
0: What about um what about a guy like Waskari Noah? I mean, I know I know that he's still in double A. I know that he's he's just brand new to this now, right? But like he's he's been pulled out of a starting role. I mean, it's pretty clear that now that he's on the forty, that, that his role is is going to be a reliever moving forward. As of right now, I mean, he, he's not going to come up tomorrow. He's not going to come up next week. But do you think that he's the guy that could actually wind up coming up and making any type of impact this season? Because he's got big velocity. He's got big stuff. And this is he's a really good statement for why FIP is a better indicator of certain levels of success than ERA is.
2: Uh, for, for me, yeah. Uh, if, he, if he's able to to show that ability to, you know, show some control he's always walked a ton. It seems like he's taken a step forward this year. I think he's down sub three walks for nine, uh, but then the strikeouts aren't there, which is a little interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, he's an intriguing arm when you see him and when you watch his, you know, his highlights, you're like, holy crap, why isn't this guy already in the majors? Cause that's what he can do. He's just he just has trouble finding consistency. If he's able to, then yeah, that's a very intriguing arm. It's, it's quite clear that they wanna push him towards a reliever, like you said. Uh but I don't I don't see this there right now just because of the walk issue that kind of plagues him. It's the same thing with Sean Newcomb. People talk about converting him, but Sean walks almost five for nine in that in a relieving role is kind of scary to me.
3: Uh I'd like to convert Sean Newcomb. To another team. Um, But the only guy that you can look at right now, aside from Grant Dayton, who doesn't walk people. uh, Was it? How do you pronounce it? A Leon. Elian. Elian Leva. Yeah.
2: And I. What about. They had for Hernandez.
3: Bill Hernandez, who was just outside the (laughs) OFR top 30, I should say. Uh, But like this is this is why it's so frustrating for me like if you had a ton of bullpen guys in your system or or some that were just different from the others then it wouldn't be as big of a deal but you're talking about a bullpen that's already full of guys with half a season to one full season's worth of actual production like if you were to pull all of the bullpen's collective experience together, every single player, all of their major league experience, you'd probably still be sitting at about six total years worth of experience and not all of that good experience. But it's, it just blows my mind, and I, I honestly don't know of a, of a good way around it because you can talk about Patrick Weigel, but he's whoever you just bring up as a rookie, they're still going to struggle at times. That's not who you're talking about as far as a stabilizing element. You can talk about Craig Kimbrell, but Doc and I have said, hey, I'm sure you're on board with this. They're not signing him before the draft. You're going to lose that second yeah, pick. Yeah, there's, there's no way. And more importantly, you're going to lose the money that goes with that second pick. When you have two first-round picks, you have to have that money if you're going to sign everybody. There's no way they're doing that. And you'd have to send them down to extended for probably about two, three weeks anyway just to get him ready to face live hitters. This to me, this is gross negligence. I don't know how somebody as smart as Alex Anthopoulos could look at this in the offseason and not make the bullpen an absolute priority.
2: Here, here. I I got nothing to add to that, man. <laughs> I,
0: I wish y'all <laughs> I mean, did. It's,
2: yeah,
0: I mean, it's and, and the unfortunately, it seems it seems bleak just because of how often it's been affecting things. And I think not so much what's happened, but you're looking at it and you're going, okay, it is April the 24th. Um, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. Like if this is the NFL, we'd be in week three, which is, you never want to panic at week three. Right. But if you know, you got a horrible offensive line, you know, that you got weeks and weeks and weeks of, of watching just a horrible offensive line. And, and for as many wins as as have already been bled dry because of this bullpen, you know, um, man, I don't know. It's it's looking it's looking like it could get worse. There, hopefully, you know, you mentioned Thomas Burroughs. I mean, he, he is starting the What this is another one where the the uh, ERA makes it look worse than it is. He's uh, he's farther ahead than Klaus is, which I would not have guessed whatsoever. But um, yeah, it's looking pretty bleak. But Let's move on to something happy. Let's talk about something fun. How about magic? Garab, you want to talk about the the article that you just came out for Talking Chop about how uh, TC's top thirty are doing? I mean, did you find anything uh, fun and interesting and riveting when you were digging into all the numbers?
2: Fun, interesting, or riveting? I uh, no, not really. But I didn't. <laughs> I did realize that most of our top prospects are are performing well outside of you know CJ Alexander, who I put crazy lofty expectations on, but I still think you're capable of it. Uh, and, and Austin and I, otherwise, other than that, you know, the, who we want to perform is performing quite well outside of relievers, of course, which is what the team needs the most. And, oh, well, I try, I know this was supposed to be a fun segment, and I just made it sad again. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> well, let's let's <laughs> talk about two, two of them in, in particular, Christian Pache and Drew Waters. I don't know that you could have envisioned a better start for either of those two. Christian Pache, I believe, he, isn't he leading? Isn't He's like tied for the lead, the minor league lead in extra base hits right now. I think he's only got one homer, which is an absolute bomb, but he's hitting triples, doubles. He's just hitting the ball everywhere, and right now he's even started walking.
2: I actually talked about him quite a bit on the last episode of to Atlanta, and I, I, I've i always been really really hard on him just because, you know, he's got really lofty expectations put on to him because of his uh, potential. Uh, I just never saw it on the offensive side because whenever I watched him, I never saw a, a really good at-bat where I'd be like, okay, this guy can definitely hit for power. He's not just a slap by Pitter who – Ooh, my chair just rubbed up and it sounded like I farted on the microphone. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't see someone that could hit for power. And then, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I automatically compared him to Ender and Ciarte, you know, incredible defensive player, but doesn't walk and relies heavily on a hit tool. And while you know, Ender's had a fantastic career, you know, multiple off-by-game appearances, it's not what we hope can happened from him. Uh, But watching him this year, the main thing I've noticed is how long he waits on the ball now, which is something similar to what Acuna went through uh, his final year before he became a crazy, crazy prospect. And he's actually starting to stay back. He's not flailing over the plate and I can see him driving the ball now. And for me, like that's that's such a huge thing. I went from like high on him thinking he's still a major league caliber player, which is a significant thing for a prospect but now I'm like, you know, this guy might actually be one of the game's best center fielders. While I don't believe he'll ever be like a Mike Trout, we're still talking about potentially the number two center fielder. Wait, that's Christian Yelich. Oh, no, like, it's a top five center fielder. Lorenzo you know? Kane. I, yeah, actually, Lorenzo plays a lot more center than than Yelich, right?
3: Yeah, Yelich is right is left
0: field.
2: Okay. Well, Kane. was I mean,
3: I think. Yeah, Pache could,
2: could be better than when it's okay. But, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say is I actually see it in him now, and I'm getting super excited. While I never – I don't think he's ever going to have that elite, you know, 8 to 11% walk percentage, which will hurt his value some, we're starting to see him regain more value from being able to drive the ball more. So, all in all, this is probably the most excited I've ever been for Pache, regardless of – the outcome of the season, like his final line, regardless of that, I'm starting to get super excited about him. With Pasha, it's really interesting when you're talking
0: about uh, staying back on the ball more, like one of the biggest transitions that that you'll wind up seeing for players is when they wind up jumping from high A to double A. I think the experience at the end of last year that he had uh, was really good for him and kind of gave him like a primer course for what he was going to see. So when you start seeing guys with better breaking pitches and it gives you like even just a minuscule amount of time, to uh to give you a little bit more decision making time. Um I I think that's been absolutely humongous for him and staying staying on his back foot more which is something that that you went into a little bit more um on uh, on road to Atlanta. I think it's just been huge. You're starting to see the power, you're starting to see the line drives. He's uh he's actually been better at stealing bases this year too. So it's like he's becoming a more uh more complete player. Like I've been I been Dylan and I have both been really really bullish on him. But we were we were at the futures game when he wound up hitting those two home runs off of Newcomb, which might also be why neither of us are particularly bullish on Newcomb anymore. <laughs> 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 but uh but yeah, I mean it's I, I think it's um it's only a matter of time for him at this point before he finds himself um called up to Gwinnett. I mean it's still it's still pretty pretty early. We're three weeks into the season, so I don't think it's gonna wind up being um within the next week or so. But they they haven't been particularly bashful about aggressive promotions like for guys like nolan kingham and uh just de la cruz uh, got bumped up today when it's like when they see a guy is ready to get bumped to the next level then they're not they're not going to waste their time but uh it's, it's a similar thing for for drew waters like for for the tiny tiny bit of time that he spent in high a last year what he's been doing in double a is really really impressive because i mean he only had 70 at bats in in high a or something and he's he's Got an OPS of 900. I mean, that's
2: pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I honestly can't believe what he's doing right now. And I was, yeah, I was definitely shocked when I saw him make the Mississippi roster. And I'm absolutely loving it. Between like Connelly Lean, Pache, and Drew Waters, it's just a beautiful defensive outfield in that massive stadium that they have. So if you like defense and you know, Mississippi, it's a pure tree. Uh, but they have. Adding on more to waters like the uh, the only problem is the strikeouts are starting to mount like a little towards like the thirty five to thirty eight percent if if I'm remembering correctly not that I really care about that too much he's still super young for what he's playing at the level he's playing uh, at uh, it's impressive I, I can't I can't believe what he's doing and I'm loving it because I was so high on Drew. And I always saw like that power, that, that kind of potential from him offensively that I didn't see in Pache. And now I'm seeing it in two thirds of the out. Well, Conor Lean's actually playing really well too. Although, you know, he doesn't really, that's not, I saw a tweet the other day about how, what are the Braves going to do with Conor Lean Because Pache and Drew Waters, I'm just like, what? <laughs> but that's a completely, that's a completely different thing. It's just really cool to see real high end potential with, Two center fielders that could easily both play center field on a team that has a guy playing left field that could easily play center field too that has the same tool like it's it's nuts to think about where this team might be in two years as soon as this year that Drew waters continues to play like this
3: and it's it's really kind of amazing you just talked about drew being so young you realize he's only like two months younger than pache
2: Pache feels... It just seems like forever that yeah. Pache's been playing. Really, right? Yeah.
3: It, it seems it seems like Pache's way older. It's the same with Izzy Wilson, who's a favorite of yours and mine, who I think we can both agree is on a, a different type of track. He's only 21, even though he's been in the system since he was like 16, but whatever. He's still going to be amazing. Um, but when you, when you talk about Pache and Waters, you just brought up the fact that they're both really good center fielders. So is Acuna. The difference is there's a difference between being really good, and there's a difference be, between just being different. And Pache is just different. That's one of those things, it's one of the reasons why you know for a fact that the other two are going to move. That's why Drew's playing right field right now, why Acuna's staying in left. My, I, I kind of want to go back to Pache a little bit, because with just how horrendous Ender has been this year offensively, I can't be the only one who's expecting this to be a, a change coming soon. And the, Ender gets off to slow starts. This is not slow start ender. This is literally every single at bat roll over to second base or strikeout ender. Like we made the running joke. All everybody makes that running joke. Ender's going to roll out to second base. This year it really has been nearly every single at bat except for the ones at the one at bat where grounding to second scores you a run.
2: And and I saw something earlier. Like he's struggling defensively too. Uh, It might be actually. I think he has actually negative one DRS, which is not something you would ever expect. I. I mean, like I said, Pache's approach and what he's doing right now is unlike anything I've seen him do before. And if you, if you said this last year, I'd say absolutely not. Like, hell no, what are you talking about? But I don't know. Like, if Ender continues to hit like this, the team might be forced to make a, a really aggressive decision later in the season. And it's not really something I thought about, but now I'm going to start thinking about it a lot more now.
0: I, no, no even matter how even having hits. having a guy like Ender on, if you wind up having to relegate him to the bench, I mean, obviously the the ideal thing to do would be to, to use him for uh, um, as some type of trade bait to get a reliever because I mean he does still have plenty of value. Like even even if he's struggling on offense, um, you know he does he does still have have the defensive pedigree, and some teams will will go. We mock the awards about being Gold Glover and everything, but when you've got three, I mean that's that's a pretty pretty impressive thing and uh, he honestly has been hitting a little bit that hard as it may uh, be to believe by looking at his line uh, on the, the entire season he has been hitting a l- little better over the last um, week 10 days or so but um, I don't know I'm I'm very very curious about the the prospect of having you know Pache up at, at 20 and and having uh, having waters uh, coming up on, on the tail end of that but I don't know even if you've got a guy like Ender, you put him on the bench you know the the contract extension that he signed a couple of years ago is still so team friendly. Like, it's it's a lot to have a five million dollar bench player, but it's not like having uh you know somebody with like a Chris Davis level contract um, being forced to start. You know what I mean? You can put a guy like Ender on the bench for most of the season. It's not going to completely cripple you. Like See, we can make our payroll jokes about all of that and everything, but uh, it's it's not not the worst thing having a guy like that on a really cheap contract.
3: I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit. I I think it would. It would be horrendous to put him on the bench because I don't think Ender's a player that can be a bench player. I think I don't think that he physically can do it. I think if he's on the bench, he's going to check out. And I think that's just kind of him. He's a guy that his confidence is everything to him, and that's you know n- not just his confidence, but Snickers' confidence in him. And I don't know how anybody can have any confidence in him at the moment. But I don't think Ender's the type of guy who's built to be a bench player. I don't want to have to call Christian Pache up yet because I want him to have more time to work on these offensive changes. I don't want to rush a player like that who, if you if you wait the right amount of time, can be truly special. If you stun his growth, and he's already – I mean, even if he didn't hit at all, he'd be giving you the same production as Ender, only he'd be giving you better defense than what Ender's providing right now. So that would be, that would be a gain right there. I – I'm almost more tempted to say if Ender continues to struggle, one, see if you can ship him for some actual relief help, somebody who's been around for a little bit. You maybe call up the San Francisco Giants and see, you know, when they realize that, hey, you guys suck, how about you trade us a couple of relievers? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Will Smith. We'll see who what happens there. Maybe you deal in there and something like that. What I've been looking at, what about a guy like Travis Demerit? Doc and I have kind of written him off because he's been – he's been kind of a run of joke. And when you talk about a three true outcomes type of guy that has been Travis Demerit forever. But when you look at his Gwinnett line, man, he looks really good. And gee, you're, you're tied in just as much, if not more than anybody else to all of the minor league teams. Is Travis Demerit really been this good? Or is it more of a, an optical illusion?
2: He he definitely doesn't have a sample size that should prove that he's that he's different so far. Uh, I've always wanted him to be a thing just because he was the rare incredibly gifted power bat with second baseman with elite defense. And, you know, at, at the time when the when Braves were requ- acquired and it was like snap we got Albies and Samarit, like those are two very similar skill sets type players, but they've gone on completely different trajectories uh Demeris is moving up the chain regardless of how he's performing, uh, which, is, you know, is kind of it kind of sucks. Like he didn't exactly put up a strong season last year in, in Mississippi. And while his line to start this season in is, is good, like his last ten games he got a five forty nine OPS And it's starting to seem like this is what we come to expect from him. Uh, which is rather unfortunate because again, like I really want him to be, be a thing because that's an incredibly valuable player. Uh they've tried moving him around he's, he's off from second to third and now he's playing like left field, some right field, some some first. They're trying to get some value out of him because maybe they don't see the bat playing up as much as they had hoped. So uh I don't see it right now. I, I hope he proves me wrong because I'd be a very incredible player to have on the team uh, and virtual player, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on him quite yet. That's a, that's a shame. I mean, he, he kind of,
0: after spending two years in Mississippi, I mean, it's similar to Braxton Davidson where it's like, you just got to kind of throw him to the next level and figure out if there's anything there. I know that Davidson has been on the the aisle to start the season, but um, th- there's no way that they can send him back to Florida for for a fourth straight year at a certain point. It's like, you know we're we're gonna send you to the wolves, you know we're gonna make you move to Japan, and we'll see whether or not you learn japanese so um i uh, it's I was really really excited at the, the early part of the season about um about what Travis was doing so um so we'll see he did just strike out in the uh in the Gwinnett game, so yeah she <laughs> might be onto something there.
3: we've talked about a lot of the kind of the the more well known guys let's move a little bit towards some of the uh the newer the newer crops, some of the guys that were drafted last year, uh, Doc's big guy, and he's got me hooked on him now, Victor Vodnik. He just got mentioned on uh, Craig Mish's Sirius XM show. He had Alex Anthopoulos on today, and Alex actually spoke about Victor Vodnik, who's now touching 98, who has a pitching coach for the first time. You're pretty familiar with, with both Vodnik and another guy who we like a lot, and uh, was it Trevor, uh, Higginbotham? Jake. Jake yeah. Higginbotham. I don't know why I was thinking of Trevor. I think I was think of Rosenthal because they both got long last names, but whatever. Uh, Jake Higginbotham and Victor Vodnik. What do you think about those two guys? What is their eventual ceiling?
2: Higginbotham is probably more, I I would say definitely a a much lower ceiling, just a really good pitcher type player. Uh, Vodnik, like, I don't know, man. This guy could be like crazy good. You know, pretty new to pitching. He's got some crazy crazy stuff uh, and his fastball plays up with a ton of movement and he was hitting uh, i think 100 at one point and he's sitting like 90 96 to 98 like there's so much to like about him unfortunately i haven't been able to watch him this year yet uh of the two yeah vodnik pro- is not probably definitely has a much higher ceiling i if all works out like you're talking number two number three type starter with crazy strikeout rate, uh, Higginbotham's, you know, really, really good pitcher. He's, he's definitely, he's, he's older, of course, so he's more, what am I trying to say, more developed. Uh, so he, he, he looks better right now, but yeah, yeah, I I don't necessarily see a major league caliber starting pitcher out of him quite yet which, you know, maybe I'm wrong, uh, and he would probably be a pretty, a pretty solid reliever, but Vodnik I'm crazy high on, and it's great to see him, like, absolutely dominate the, of the season.
3: See, that's actually what's really crazy because I've always just assumed Vodnik is a guy who uh, is, a, is a bullpen guy, maybe an eventual back into the bullpen. His story is just so weird as a guy that did not have a pitching coach growing up who was learning his grips off of YouTube, never had anybody to help him do any of that stuff. So now to have an actual pitching coach, he's kind of smaller, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to agree with you that he's a number two starter, unless you see some body projection because he does throw fairly, fairly violently. But to to have somebody as respected as you, who I really respect their their prospect opinion, I liked Vodnik before. But for you to tell me that he might be a number two starter, I'm starting to wonder how long he might stay down there before he gets the call up to to high A. Well,
2: like number two, if he actually like. Matches everything, right? And is the perfect... He most likely won't be that way, you know, be that good, but to develop how quickly he has, and, like, again, I probably should have brought up the story, too, just to show, like, reiterate how crazy it is. Uh, To be where he is right now, so soon, I'm insanely impressed by... I, I didn't expect much from him until, you know, July, August time, around then, but he's putting up numbers now, and it's got me, like, trying to... See, like, try and catch every single start because it's it's it's, it's very. What's a good way to say it? It's, okay, that's not a very good way. It's very impressive. It's almost like very
3: the. Uh, it's video. almost. It's almost like what you hoped Freddie Tarnock would do.
2: Yeah, yeah, and like what Freddie did last year to start the season again, I was crazy impressed because you don't expect it. You don't like. You figure that year is like kind of a wash year where he just takes time to to slowly learn exactly how to pitch and what he did was crazy. I'm saying that a lot right now. And I guess you can say I'm very impressed by, his, by, by his too.
0: Now, I think that the, that the, the Freddie Tarnock comp works uh, at a, a number of levels. I mean, the body type is obviously different. You know, Tarnock is kind of big, lanky string bean type and Bodnick is a little more, um, Compressed, I guess he's he's a little bit a little bit of a smaller guy, but I mean I think when you when you look at their they have two very divergent paths, you know what I mean? Where uh, one guy is teaching himself how to pitch, and the other one like didn't pitch at all until two years ago, where it's like the range of outcomes is just huge. And then you see the stuff, and it's like, oh my god, how is this tiny little dude you know how is he throwing a hundred? Or how is a guy like like Tarnock? Like I've never seen a ball explode out of somebody's hand like that. You know what I mean? Like he's touching 97 without with just it's easy, easy 97. You know, like when when Hunter Green leading up to the draft, you see him hit 102, like it looked like he was throwing like 89. You know what I mean? These some of these guys, they just have it in them to be pitchers. So it's uh with the two of them being two consecutive drafts, these big massive projects that could wind up going bust. If everything doesn't fall just right, I mean, we've talked about our appreciation for friend of the program Brian Bridges and all of the things he did for this organization. Talk about two amazing parting gifts, for, you know what I mean? For when when he left, I mean, if Freddie Tarnock or Victor Vodnik wind up becoming anything, that's just unbelievable. Plus, Tarnock and Vodnik sounds like a like a Russian sitcom or some type of like you know um, Dostoevsky novel or something. <laughs> so. I don't know. I've I've been really impressed uh, with it too. I've had I've had a lot of trouble. Uh, I I wound up having to get a get a refund for MILB TV because the service this year, like my entire minor league baseball ex- experience this year has just been abysmal. Um and yeah, so I mean it's unwatchable. It's it's terrible. It's really bad. And uh so I emailed them, I was like, Yeah, I want my money back. And they're like, Okay, thank you, fan. I'm like, you couldn't even call me with my name. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's actually good to know that I'm not the only one that, that's having, having these type of problems with it you know I thought maybe I just had um, a, a whole bunch of crappy devices
2: nah man like it's just it's unwatchable it, it took forever like I remember before they redesigned the app that they just redesigned because no one could get to like box scores, and now you can't even watch a stream like what, what are they doing I like the, I well,
0: and for for as many times as you know, over the past couple of years, like all of the different gifts, like that that one that one that always stands out of that that completely preposterous Tuki curveball that just dove like two feet to the left. You know what I mean? I remember like waking up and seeing you know, oh, here's the clips from last night's game that you would wind up cutting up and posting and everything. Like that's that's the that's free marketing for them. You know, when we were going through. The rebuild—that's the type of stuff that gives you hope. And I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> why? Why are they cracking know, down?
2: Why are they cracking down on that?
0: I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't understand. It doesn't make any like, sense. Like, I don't, I don't,
2: I don't understand the reason. Like, I did that because I was impressed with it, and I wanted everyone else to be impressed with it. And like, that's what everyone did. No one cared. I wasn't like stealing content or anything like that. I was astonished by the ability of one player and i wanted everyone else to be astonished by it like do they think that people are trying to profit off of it like no this is just really cool and i want people to see it what uh, you know you do you
3: it seems like a stupid business model um i I don't understand why minor league baseball is so bad they you'd think for an organization that needs a ton of good pr now that everybody realizes just how much they screw over uh the minor league players You'd think that they would try for at least a little bit of good publicity, but they seem to be going the way of the NCAA, and instead of uh, doing something good, just double down on horrible stuff and be like, eh, we can do what we want, and then sit around and wonder why everybody's pissed at you. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is something that the CBA can work on. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to basically force people to watch your app but not be able to watch anything on your app or post a GIF or do anything like that. It, it just seems so stupid to me.
1: You
2: know who's done it right? It's the NBA. Like, I haven't heard any bad press from the NBA in years. Right? Well, that's because they that's, they're, to,
3: they're begging you to watch the G League.
2: Yeah, they they like don't even like retweet people that making making like like they they killed it. I haven't like I haven't heard a single bad thing from. But every single year, there's something about MLB. There's something about the NFL. Like, you guys need to just stop what you're doing. Go watch. What the
3: NBA is doing, and do that. I agree because the product in the NFL and the MLB is, is a much better product. Because it is amazing that how everybody can just say the NBA is so good at marketing, despite the fact that everybody knows before the season starts who's winning everything. Like <laughs> you don't even have you literally don't have to watch the season. You know Golden State's winning it until Kevin Durant decides to leave or until that whole five breaks up. I, I totally agree. They need to take a look at how the NBA markets, how they market their players, and it is a little bit different. In baseball, because in basketball, single players hold so much more import on on the outcome of the game. Like Mike Trout is the greatest player of our generation, and right now, going to be the greatest player of all time. He's already surpassed Reggie Jackson, by the way, in career war. It's just incredible. Um, Jesus, yeah, he's he's that good. And and you always hear people whining about, oh, oh, why did Mike Trout stay in Anaheim? I'm, I like that he stayed there. I don't think that he needs to be as out front. I think it's baseball's job to market what really is. If you look around all of the sports landscapes, Mike Trout is the perfect representation of everything you should want a superstar to be. Humble, has a ton of fun, is amazingly talented, does a lot of stuff for children, brings children out of the stands, and and just throws up all of them during during warm-ups. Like, Mike Trout is that guy you want to build your sport around, yeah baseball keeps whining and complaining that he doesn't want to do the social media presence like that's your job dude they could always shoot for some kind of uh under the radar endorsements like uh
0: like a weather channel or something like that i mean that seems to be the thing he's most passionate about so you know let let him do what he wants i mean if he's gonna post i mean my god he's he's already yeah but we're not going to turn this into a Mike Trout love fest because I mean I'm sure we have we have had plenty of those before. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think the the part of the reason they're mad at him is because they're looking at it going, well, it's either Trout or Bryce Harper, and Harper is um, not really doing doing any favors for his image these days. Yeah, you know that's I mean? MLB's so, fault. But
2: like, what about Mookie Betts? You got Mookie Betts, who's incredible too, and also like the perfect human being. And there's just like.
3: They suck at it. Right. Like, that's Major League Baseball's fault. Like, you have your own platform on social media. You can send highlights. You can tell networks, hey, focus on these two guys. Like, you get to control that stuff. You are the entire league. It should not be – like, you should. you should promote your own stars. When the NFL plays clips before games, they show all of their stars. They don't just show one guy. Like, they don't just show Randy Moss highlights over and over or Antonio Brown because he speaks up all the time. Like, that – I, I can't go too long on this because I'll just I'll turn this into a rant episode. So I'm gonna before I get too angry and too annoyed at this, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a 180 here. Sorry for the switch up. We didn't have this planned, but I'm gonna call an audible because I'm in control of the recording over here, and uh, <laughs> we're going to do an extra innings today because I don't know if we've done one with you. I don't know if we did it the first time or not. I know we didn't do it last time you were on, and uh, I've got some questions that need some answers. Oh boy. Okay. First question. This is kind of a, a a change from one we've had for a while. Which member of the Ninja Turtles would you be? Not who do you like most. Not who do you wish you were. Which one would you honestly be?
2: Michelangelo. You know, I, I would, actually, no, no. Who I would honestly be, I'd probably end up being Donatello. Like if they were to just
3: take your, your personality right now and say, all right, this is the Ninja Turtle you are, not who you want to be. You'd say Donatello. Oh,
2: Michelangelo. Yeah, I'm totally Michelangelo then. I like to have
3: fun. What about you, Doc? God, it's honestly, man, it's been so
0: long since I – like I, I struggled to remember the personalities. I feel like I I identified with Raphael. You're a most one. you're
3: hundred percent Donatello. I'm not gonna let you try to make yourself sound cooler. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that to sound as bad. It's on you're, you, nerd. I look fantastic and purple, so whatever. 100% Donatello. And i said that for one reason. I think most people are a Donatello. Everybody wants to be a Raphael and a Leonardo. Like, calm your jets. Almost everybody's either a Michelangelo or a Donatello. What
2: are you? I'm telling you, a Michelangelo. Yeah.
3: See, I don't even think I would be one of the Turtles. If I'm 100% honest with myself, I'm probably a Casey Jones. I mean, that's not fair, dude. I I totally would have been Bebop if I knew I could (laughs) not be a Turtle. (laughs) You're not a bad guy. You're not stupid.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I just wanted somebody to call me Bebop. (laughs) Whatever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Question number two. How long would you last in Game of Thrones? (laughs)
1: Like...
2: Three minutes in, into the, like, scene, I'd probably be, like, the first person to die. Are you kidding me? Out, out in the wilderness trying to defend myself? Nah, man, I'm done.
0: <laughs> I I suppose it would depend on which season, because they, you know, there's still some plenty of violence that goes on, but, like, during, during the early part, I mean, it was just completely, completely gratuitous violence all of the time. But, uh... You know, if you showed up, if you showed up anymore, well, it's, it's getting close to the finale. So a lot of people are probably going to die. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you show up in the middle of season seven, you can make it a good 12, maybe even 14 all minutes.
3: I'm talking about if I were to drop you into that world, would you have made it to the seventh season? <laughs> no, absolutely not. See, I'd have, I think I'd have lasted a little bit because I'm naturally suspicious. Uh, I would have been gone by season three when everybody was dying in all those wars. I'd have been gone. Somebody would have got me.
2: Arya would probably, like season one, Arya probably would have picked on
3: me. <laughs> before she learned how to fight and do all that stuff?
2: She would have she kicked my ass, too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, final question before we get out of here. What is the most embarrassing song that you listen to consistently?
2: Huh. It's the one that I listen to today. The Reason by Stank.
3: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I wish I didn't say that on, on on now. Like, oh no, what have I done,
0: Doc? That's actually, oh god. Um, what was it? I heard. Um, actually, it's. Uh, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> we've asked this question before, and I'm gonna stick with it. Um, I heard Vogue by Madonna come on '90s on nine. I did not turn that. I did not at all. I actually have caught myself like uh, Greta Garbo, Ed Monroe, Dietrich, and DiMaggio. Yeah, dude, I was, I was in it. So I'm sticking with some Madonna.
3: Which one is in your rotation that's embarrassing for you? Mm, I'm a fish fan. Um, all of them. <laughs> Every fish song. <laughs> I'll be the first one
0: to tell you. That ain't for everybody. And if, if I was to be in a position like, if I had an extra ticket to a show and I was like, up you want to come go want to come see fish Dylan, you want to come see fish as soon as one of
1: you yeah yeah
0: that sounds awesome I'd be like oh sh-. <laughs> oh no dude what have I done I would be like actually no something came up anybody just <laughs> anybody just bought your ticket you can't you cannot come join the join this because some of it like the musicality is top-notch it is absolutely unbelievable okay but like Some of it is purposely really stupid. It's like Frank Zappa. It's one of those things where it's like it'll try and get just as wacky and woolly and stupid as it can get, which in a certain frame of mind is is fantastic, but you have to be in the right state of mind for it. So if I were to take one of you guys or any of you fantastic listeners to, to come see fish with me, then it would probably wind up being a horribly embarrassing experience for me. You would judge me as soon as they started playing <laughs> big black furry creature from Mars, I can guarantee it. Oh, so man. there you go. There you go. Good and answer. also um, we don't have the audio clip. We, we did get a question on the TPS hotline about whether or not my love for fish is real or we're just, or if I'm just doing a bit, it is real. It is a thousand percent real.
3: I don't think there are any fake fish fans. I think it's like you've got a tattoo <laughs> somewhere on your body.
0: No, we, we will, we all all go for it. Yeah, it's one of those things like uh, Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead, once compared the Dead's black licorice. He said, you know, um, the people that don't like black licorice really, really hate it. And the people that love it can't wait to tell you how much they love it. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those cultish things like uh, like CrossFit or whatever. So, uh, you know, people, people who are in cults really tend to love their cults.
3: Fair point. I guess this is where I have to be honest as well. Were you listening to Hoobastank today as well? No, not Hoobastang, So much worse. (laughs) And I listened to it I really don't want to admit this, but uh, I listened to them at least twice a week. Usually more. Early Panic at the Disco. Like, early early, like lying is the most fun you can have without taking your clothes off like early early stuff it is uh i still have a burned cd from high school that is still in my cd player and it is not the car i had in high school
1: <laughs>
3: i had that album the one with i write Sims, not tragedies i, yes. I had that album it's yeah. a pretty solid cd though yeah yes, but that's true i'm 28 now man do you know what it, like i cannot roll down the window and and actually, like yell that song. I cannot do it. Too many people around here know me. <laughs> well, they they changed their sound, though, right?
0: I mean, like, did, well, yeah, they, there's they only one old, dude left. <laughs> they're basically Metallica now. Ooh.
3: <laughs> I hate that you said that, but I can't disagree with you at all. <laughs> it says more about Metallica than Panic at the Disco. Also, I should also mention quietly that Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance is still in my mix. Um, There's
2: nothing wrong with that. That is a fantastic
3: song. Oh, well, good. I, I, I feel I feel vindicated. Uh, when we had the episode. Song. Which one? Dashboard oh, confessional, dashboard. yeah, another dashboard <laughs> fan. All right, and finding out all sorts of stuff now.
0: When we had the episode where we went through your playlist, the the my chemical romance stuff, it was one of it was one of my easy punchlines for years. But when I actually sat down and listened to it,
1: not bad.
0: Everything right? on the list, it, it might have been it might have been my favorite out of uh, out of all of them.
3: So yeah, you liked it more than Hawthorne Heights. You were not a fan of Hawthorne Heights. Or oh, three man, days. Hot
0: grace. on high. <laughs> uh, I'd rather be drawn and quartered <laughs> than ever listen to.
2: <laughs> I saw I saw a hilarious tweet the other day that was like, um, "What would your what would your aim message be now, or aim away message be now? Like, what emo lyric would you choose?" And I was like, "Oh man, I don't even know. That's such a difficult thing, dude. There's too many. I had to pull like half the time. It was a Linkin Park quote. I know for sure."
3: Yeah, if Bleed It Out would be your A-Message or No. Oh man, or like uh,
2: what's that The Used song? Uh, uh, hold on.
3: I don't know. That's one band that I never really got into, surprisingly enough. I was never a huge Used fan.
2: Well, okay, listen to the intro to I'm a Fake by The Used, and like it is... <laughs> just Just listen to it, and that is the top away message ever of all time for
3: aim. Oh, well now I have to do some work. All right. We've kind of, we've gone way too long in this episode already. So before we get out of here, <laughs> Garav, everybody should already know where to find you, but if they haven't followed you yet, because we do have an ever expanding audience, tell them where to find you and follow you.
2: I have three Twitter accounts. My personal one is at G V E D A K. You can also follow my podcast at, at, road to number two atlanta and if you want to see the internet at its best uh you can follow at braves reddit
3: there you have it all three places you should be following all three by the way not just one of those accounts you need the full garage experience you need the full experience (laughs) you'll see why it is that he's like the most popular member in all of brave's country doc you know where to find him Thank you so much. You don't really, nobody cares about where I'm at, but just follow the TPS account, whether you're uh, following on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, whatever the brand new Himalaya app, wherever it is that you'd like to follow, go ahead and shoot us a follow subscription, whatever it is you like to do. Shoot us a message on the, uh, on the phone line. We always enjoy talking to you guys. Doc, Garav, thanks so much for joining me this week, guys.
2: Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Let's record another episode as soon as this one's over. We'll
3: just talk for another three hours. (laughs) <laughs>
0: I'm down for it Always uh, always a blast to do it And uh, just before we get out of here uh, girl, I just want to let you know Dazebo Hernandez ERA is .96 His fifth is 2.97 And he's striking out 13.5 per nine We will revisit this uh, when Back he closes up The 2021 World Series MVP Dazebo Hernandez <laughs> Call Calling him up today now.
3: Bring him up now
0: hey, Basically know, I, Andrew Miller Pretty much Pretty much Except uh, you know, well, he's 22 in, uh, in high He's due for promotion. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll all go and catch a game when uh, when he debuts and he wins rookie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but seriously, Giro, thanks uh, thanks a bunch for coming on this week, man. And um, yeah, we will um, we're going to go ahead and start recording again. And, uh, recording again in about seven minutes. All right, guys. Uh,
3: For all you guys that made it to the end, thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate you. Have a good week. We will talk to you guys next week here on the Platinum Sombrero.
1: Gonna ever you down. The best oh, yeah. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Not the best around. ever keep you down.